This is a short story, and it's um, really a tribute to my grandmother, grandma. Her name was uh, Dorothy Parker, and she was a uh, well, she was she was from East Texas. She was a very big um, influence on my life. Um, in fact, I stayed with her and spent quite a bit of time with her when I was a young man, a little boy, actually. And so uh, when I used to stay with her, she used to always tell us uh, stories. She was a great storyteller, man. I think she embellished a little bit. I don't, I don't think she lied about anything, but she would tell us some stuff that would just blow our minds. And so what I'm going to do, uh, you know, it's always good to reach back and get strength and knowledge and wisdom and love, a loving embrace from your from your ancestors, those who have passed on. So this is a way of remembering her and also uh, providing a little bit of a story, a little bit of something uh, to help you pass the time with. Uh. So anyway, one of the stories that she told me as a little man, as a little boy, uh, was a story about this thing called a meskinscopy. And uh, hopefully nobody gets offended by that. This is just poor, uneducated black people back in the day. And uh, they they were country, so they called things as they saw them. And there was this terrible creature that used to stalk the countrysides. And they had no idea what it was, so they called it a Mexican scoby. Or a Mexican scoby, in other words. Thinking that it came from Mexico somewhere. Because they didn't know what it was, so it had to be from Mexico, right? So anyway, without further ado, I want to get into this story. Uh, that Grandma Dorothy told me, and it's called Meskinscopy. Grandma, will you tell me a story? This red, kind of wild little boy looked up into her face expectantly. He had good hair in his mama's eyes. <laughs> he sat by her knee on the porch, feeling the warm summer breeze on his arms and shoulders. His mother's touch was in that breeze, but he was still too young and wild to really give it much thought. To him, Grandma was his mother, his grandma. Well, son, these ain't really what you would call stories. They's just what happened. All I do is tell you about how life was back when I was a girl. We was just poor, black folk, ignorant. All it was to do was work, drink, and lay up. Will you tell me about that thing that used to be in the woods? What thing in the woods, child? You know that thing that used to scare y'all dogs. Oh, you talking about that old Mexican scoby? She rumbled in a low voice, her story voice, cocking her head to one side to help bring the memory into focus. Yeah, that's it, a Mexican scoby, he replied, his eyes widening in a mixture of fear and excitement. As far back as he could remember, which was not that far back, Tiger had heard tales of something big and dark with claws and teeth and fur, something that even the biggest, baddest hunting dogs were afraid of. Not only the dogs, but their big bad masters, too. Big, muscular, cotton-chopping, whiskey-drinking black men with calloused, work-hardened hands and long-time shotguns sat, locked in their little tin-roof shacks that sat on bricks, afraid to venture forth on wild, dark nights, afraid of something equally wild and dark that could put their dogs to flight. Being poor, uneducated sharecroppers, really just west to say slaves, she used to say. Nobody could say exactly what the thing was. Whatever it was, it was not from East Texas. It was some huge alien predator that killed cattle, 
kids and grown men alike and left their carcasses lying in the woods, partially devoured and wholly defiled. And when, from time to time, these killings would begin, these small communities of hard-working black folk would close and lock their windows and doors come nightfall. But what was it, Grandma? Well, son, I don't know what it was. We just knew it wasn't from round here. Not knowing, we just figured it must have been from down in Mexico somewhere. Fireflies sashayed by, whispering to one another with their winking and blinking. Their lazy, eerie light was just bright enough to set the weird, spooky shadows to dancing in Tiger's young mind. Shadows in which mythic, mystic demon beasts with eerie, glowing eyes like fireflies in the night waited, ready to pounce on him. One time, when I was a girl, about the same age you is now, I remember a Mexican scoby came up in our yard, prowling and going on. We had a big old mean-ass dog, and we was just sitting at supper one evening, about darker as it is now. And anyway, old buddy starts to barking and yapping and keeping up a racket. All of a sudden, he stopped barking and started yelping and crying. Next thing we know, he done run under the house. And we could hear him under there bumping around and whining and going on. And then we heard an old strange noise, like a long, low yowl. That's the only way I can say it. Sound like the devil's outside courting, trying to get itself a little peace. It was an old, crazy, scary sound. A sound make your blood turn cold and send shivers up your spine. Tiger's eyes widened even more. He swallowed hard and turned his head slowly around from side to side, peering into the black night that had crept upon him as he sat engrossed in Grandma's tail. He was halfway afraid to even look, afraid he might actually see something. Anyway, I didn't know what it was outside. But then Daddy told your Uncle Henry, Boy, go get my shotgun. I think that's a damn old Mexican scoby. Then Daddy made all us chillin' get under the table, and when Henry came back with his gun, Daddy gave Henry an old big machete, since he was the oldest boy, and he told him, stay with them youngins. Then Daddy got his dirk and stuck it in his boot. What's a dirk, Grandma? Oh, it's a big old long knife, child, about that long, she responded, holding her index fingers about 13 inches apart. Oh, he exhaled awestruck with a picture of a mini Excalibur forming in his mind. Now all this time, while we was under the table, we could hear that Mexican scoby outside just a prowling and rummaging through the yard, and the, the chickens was out there having a fit in the chicken coop, just a howling and a flapping, ah, oh, cluck, 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 a cluck, 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 cluck. Old Buddy was still out there under the house, but he had started barking again instead of whining, so whatever it was out there must have been going away from the house by this time. Daddy was looking out the back window, and all of a sudden, he hollered out, Good night above! Look at that big old ass thing yonder! Now me being as hard-headed and curious as I always been, I jumps my little narrow behind up from under the table, and I goes to the window so I can give me a look too. I just barely caught a quick look at something big and black disappearing into the woods at the edge of our little old yard. But child, I could still see some eyes out there in all that bush, so I knew whatever it was, it wasn't gone. Then I went to grab Daddy by his arm. I was going to tell him something. And when I touched him, boy, he like to jumped up and hollered a little bit. Ah! And he reached his arm back and knocked me upside the head. Bop! 
And he said, girl, I told you to get under that table. I guess he was just scared too, she said, mainly to herself, her voice trailing off. She paused, staring out into the darkness beyond the porch. Her body was still there, but her mind was not. It dwelled within a 50-year-old yesterday, brought to life for a few brief moments by her own words. Then what happened, Grandma? Her eyes slowly refocused as she came back to the here and now. She started talking again slowly. Well, son, after a while, whatever it was went on back off into the woods and Next morning, we went outside and we could see some kind of old, big old tracks all around the house. And I knew what buddy tracks looked like, and these was different. For one thing, they was bigger, and you could see some marks where it had some kind of big old raggedy claws on its feet. And we followed the tracks to the edge of the yard where the woods began at. And out there in all that brush and grass, it was a spot where something big and heavy had them sat and just watched our little old house. Again, his eyes were wide with fear. He licked his lips and looked behind him nervously. The white porch was an island surrounded by a liquid darkness that clung to the familiar objects in the yard. No doubt, Meskin Scobies waited out there in the woods, watching him, licking their lips too. Twigs snapped, just ordinary night sounds, but he imagined that they snapped under the weight of dark padded claws with long raggedy claws. It was not until many moons later, when Tiger was a stout, red-boned teenager, that the light of day finally illumined the dark, dusky summer night that had, for years, concealed the Meskin Scobie. He was out in California doing a family reunion. Tiger and his whole clan roamed the grounds of the San Diego Zoo, peering at the caged animals, eating ice cream and enjoying one another's company. Little cousins and nieces and nephews scoured the area, giggling and playing their never-ending game of tag. And as they rounded the next corner, his grandma, shouting and pointing, raised the alarm. Yan, go a Meskin Scobie! From the twilit underbrush in the recesses of his mind, there came a devilish yowl that echoed and bounced around in his head and sent a chill up his spine. Tiger looked around, still half afraid to actually see the thing, even after all these years. And not even the iron bars that stood between him and the thing made him feel at ease. He stood there immobile, in awe of those raggedy claws and sharp teeth staring. The sign said simply, Black Panther, do not feed. <laughs>